0: it's vancouver's podcast on the canada's podcast network hello everyone i'm angela Fay, hub builder and co-host of british columbia's podcasts part of the canada's podcast network your source for great insights from entrepreneurs from across canada We talk to entrepreneurs who are making it happen here so you can listen, discover, and engage. I'm super excited to have Adam Creek with me today and wait until you hear his bio. He is one of North America's top management consultants and executive coaches with degrees and certifications from Stanford University, UBC Saunders School of Business, and Queen Smith School of Business. He's a guest lecturer at the University of British Columbia or University of Victoria in British Columbia, and teaches strategies and skills of leadership, high performance, and perseverance to corporate and government teams globally through keynotes, workshops, and online seminars. Adam has coached, trained, and taught hundreds of thousands of people, including teams at Microsoft, General Electric, Mercedes-Benz, L'Oreal, Shell, TEDx, and more. He runs two small corporations himself, his uh, own business, Creek Speak, and which I'm excited to talk about in a few minutes, Ergo Eco Solutions, which is a low-carbon initiative that connects small business with small governments. He is launching a new book called The Responsibility Ethic, and I confess that I read the first chapter last night, and uh, I, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about it, Adam, coming up, We can't underestimate the impact of him being a two-time Olympian. Adam holds 60 international medals, including Olympic gold for Canada and multiple Hall of Fame inductions. He did, in 2013, make the first ever attempt to row unsupported across the Atlantic Ocean from Africa to America, which is the subject of an NBC Dateline documentary, Half-Sized. So welcome, Adam.
1: Thank you, Ashi.
0: (laughs) So, uh, we're pretty much neighbors. We both live here on Vancouver Island. So I got the, uh, my intro to get to know Adam was in person at a fabulous little cafe downtown in Imo the other last week. And, um, and you you live in Saanich.
1: Yeah. Saanich, British yeah. Columbia.
0: Can you Beautiful share Saanich. a little bit of your entrepreneurial story with, with us?
1: Well, my entrepreneurial story started as an Olympic athlete. Uh, uh, To be an Olympic athlete, you have to find ways to get money from different sources. The money that you get from the government isn't quite enough to survive. So you're constantly looking for grants or other jobs to to make ends meet. And uh, for me, one of those odd jobs was uh, speaking and training in middle school. So I'd go in with a, a program called the Esteem Team and teach them smart goals. And I'd partner with an organization called uh, Clean Air Champions, uh, mm-hmm. an organization where I eventually sat on the board where we encouraged kids to take active transportation to school and we tracked it and uh, had two visits. And on the second visit, uh, the kids who did really great got a gold medal and the kids who didn't do so great got a bronze medal and everyone was celebrated for, um, you know, for reducing their carbon footprint, for making mm-hmm. the air a little bit cleaner, that sort of thing. So I started out uh, looking for different funding sources to, you know, to achieve my end goal. Uh, then after the Olympics in 2008, I, I leaned into two different entrepreneurial ventures. One was a biodiesel company. I, I partnered with a man by the name of Chris Karch, and we collected waste cooking oil and turned it into mm-hmm. a biodiesel uh an enterprise that eventually flopped and uh failed um, <laughs> and uh and then i kept getting uh requests and opportunities to mm. speak at organizations so i would go to um annual conferences or offsites and i'd be uh you know be your friendly neighborhood olympian and uh you know tell <laughs> tell the story of <laughs> of of success and failure and hard work and certainly yeah, the same story that I'm sure most successful entrepreneurs uh, need to know and know all too well, you know, especially the failure side of things, especially perseverance, endurance, you know, having courage, all these mm. sorts of things. So again, uh, a lot of the soft skills or what I call professional skills I learned as an Olympic level athlete were very transferable to what I needed to be an entrepreneur. So then traveling down my um, entrepreneurial journey, my, uh, my biodiesel company flopped. The speaking business was working, uh, but it wasn't. It takes a while for a business to actually get its legs. My general rule of thumb is about four years, five yeah, years, yeah, and <clears throat> the dip is around two years in. And for me, it was no different. So two years in, I had this, you know, this crisis of meaning. Am I doing the right thing? <laughs> right. Uh, what should I be doing? A friend called me up, said, "Hey, do you want to come up to the Yukon?" And so I went up to the Yukon. We did some gold exploration. I did that, made some quick money but then realized, hey, you know what, I, I should stay on this path of, uh, of speaking, mm-hmm. of training. And at the same point in time, I got hooked into an adventure to row across the Atlantic Ocean. And that actually spawned my entrepreneurial journey even more so, sure. because I was in charge of the business side of things. And in fact, you know, rowing across the ocean, some people might look at it and say, wow, that's amazing. Like, How do you row across the ocean? But for me, uh, having been someone who went to the Olympics and knows, knew, knows and knew how to push their body, the challenge wasn't actually getting from point A to point B. Uh, the challenge was, how do I put together half a million dollars to go from point A to point B? So building the business case, getting uh, organizations on board and individuals on board who'd be willing to give us the money in exchange for value. You know, at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur is generate Generating value uh, for mm-hmm. society, and I might add a layer to that generating value for society using your own personal values. Every individual has a hierarchy of values, of, uh, of ways they like to exist, of things they like to do, things they like to give. And so, if you can deliver value to society using your personal values, then you will have a satisfying entrepreneurial journey and it will give you the courage to continue courage to endure failure, the courage to uh, uh, endure the inevitable dips that occur on the entrepreneurial journey. We went and we built this, um, built this program and eventually partnered with probably 100 different sponsors, sponsors who just gave us products, sponsors who gave us uh, money. And we made this happen. We made this adventure happen where we launched from Dakar, Senegal, heading to Miami, Florida. The, the boat capsized in the Bermuda Triangle after 73 days at sea. Uh, that's uh, that's another story altogether. <laughs> but uh, but the the uh, the ironic part of this was that afterwards I was sitting down. I was I was still in the world of of corporate training and speaking. I was sitting with my uh, with my agent and uh, um, Perry Goldsmith in his office, and I was sitting there and I just had I, I had a two and a half year old son and we just had my I just had my my daughter my second child. I'm thinking, how am I going to make money for these little people and provide for them? And I was shaking my head like, I didn't make it across the ocean, Perry. Like, what what kind of story is this? And he looked at me and he laughed. He said, Adam, you have a horseshoe up your butt, right? (laughs) (laughs) And you've already won the Olympic medal. You can show people that you know how to get things done. Uh, Now you have a story where you almost died and a story of perseverance. So this is actually something that's really good for for your business and what you're doing uh, from a storytelling standpoint. So I doubled down on the, uh, on the speaking training and eventually after sitting at round tables with medium sized to large size corporations, cause those tend to be the organizations that would hire me. So organizations with at least 200 people, um, up to, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred thousand people or one of the big, right. the big, big organizations that are out there, but, uh, I'd be sitting around the table with the, the CEO, the VPs, the COO, the head of HR, and I'd be having conversations with them. And eventually, I, I just found that I really enjoyed, it seems kind of funny, I enjoyed these annual meetings where I'd see them put up their strategy, they put up their spreadsheets, they're talking about how they're were, they were making business happen. And at the same time, I had I'd reignited my involvement in the world of biodiesel. So I partnered with a, a man by the name of Brian Roberts, and we ended up creating a, a not-for-profit, for-profit entity that uh, collects waste cooking oil, turns it into petroleum replacement, low-carbon products, and links with small governments to lower the carbon footprint. And so I was I was learning from these larger organizations and shifting the knowledge, bringing it back to this smaller organization, you know, acting as a bit of a, um, an executive coach and a trainer at this uh, at the smaller organization and found that I really enjoyed this role. And it, it fit me naturally. It fit my talents uh, naturally, my inclination naturally, as well as my value set. I talked about personal values if you want to deliver value to the world in a way that's sustainable, it has to serve the values that you have um, and how you want to uh, exist in the world. So that transitioned into me becoming uh, you know, an executive coach, uh, you know, a, a specialist on self-leadership, these sorts of things. And so I have, I've got a small group. I can't work with too many people one-on-one, but I have, I've got a small group of, of people that I work with one-on-one just to help them up their game. And help them be, you know, help them rise up the ranks in their organization, be better leaders, improve their um, career prospects, and, uh, and keep them, you know, be kind of like a, a trusted confidant on their, you know, on their mm-hmm. path up to career mm-hmm. success, which is, you know, I've seen be incredibly valuable for the individuals I work with. And then I also work with executive teams, so run them through uh, strategic planning sessions and off-sites, so a small group, you know, anywhere from four to ten people. And we go and we run through the, the annual or biannual planning that needs to happen. So right now, my, the main part of my business, I'd say 50% of it is going off into, you know, into organizations, to off-sites. I deliver a, a keynote speech, Might deliver a workshop. Um, for example, I'm going down to, to Vegas ne- next week. I'm working with their sales force. So uh, presenting uh, you know, a, a keynote on goal setting and, and what it means to set goals and to, to endure and get them. And then we're doing a a work life self balance piece where we Mm -hmm. reflect upon our work, our life, our self, and we figure out what needs to change and how to boost ourselves incrementally. The other parts of my, I'd say, twenty five percent of it is is coaching with my small group of 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 clients, and uh, the other bit is is training and executive retreats so it's, it's a nice mix for me no day is the same and, <laughs> right,
0: lots of and then I
1: guess lots of right and I still do and I and again I forget all the stuff that I do because I'm just remembering right now because I also work with the Canadian Men's Health Foundation I'm a big uh, supporter of, uh, of men's health working age men's health so just making sure that there's messages going out there for working age men to, to ensure that they're they're healthy and uh, and they're able to do the work that they need to do I still maintain a lot of volunteer roles with uh, with rowing Canada, and I'm involved with another small business in town. We cre- they create rowboats and sell them internationally. <laughs> Whitehall Spirit Rowing and a rowing machine company, RP Three. So I'm, again, I'm just I'm involved with a lot of different organization <laughs> things that are
0: wear lots of different hats.
1: Wear lots of different hats, but it's typical entrepreneurial stuff. You you have the freedom to do the things that you love and and add some energy to it. And that's I feel like that's the real gift of the entrepreneurial journey.
0: Well, and that's something that you and I talked about in person the other day um, is bringing energy to a space or a group of people. One question I have for you is what is the role of motivation in our society? Why is it so important to inject like you know have an atom come in and inject a new level of energy into a group why why is that so important
1: we know what we need to do we just don't do it why not we're not motivated
0: okay so the role of motivation <laughs> is yeah. literally go out and you just calling their shit right and just saying, oh yeah, you call your shit you know God. what you need to do why aren't you doing it
1: <laughs> exactly cool. and sometimes you just need to hear the obvious yes do it I don't, I struggled with this when I first went out and I had this career because I was at the end of the day, I look in the mirror, just like everyone else who listens to the podcast looks in the mirror. I'm I'm just a guy. But at the end of the day, you recognize people need to hear positive messages and they need to hear uh, reinforcements of ideas that push them forward. There's a lot of interests out there that are competing for your intention, and there are mm-hmm. things that are not necessarily productive that will want to suck you in. And you know, for example, there's a reason why in Canada, for example, we limit alcohol marketing, tobacco marketing, mm-hmm. pornography marketing. you want to make a lot of money really quickly. Just get into you know, something that's addictive and, right. and, sell and market it because people will be drawn in and say, oh, I want more of that. And then it, it feeds a loop. And so the, the purpose of positive motivation is to remind you that, you know what? Even though we're not promoting broccoli, there's no broccoli marketing board. Guess what? You should probably have broccoli meal <laughs> once or twice a week. That would be a good thing. When I was a kid, there was a Hal, you know, Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod participation, those kinds of messages. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's dating that's us. Uh-oh.
1: Well, that's fine. But like, you yeah. think of these positive messages that come out, and you look at them, and you say, you know what? I'm so glad I, I, I saw that message. And yes. although it's, yes. it's not feeding the bottom line of something that is of an organization that's, that's necessarily profiting from it, it's feeding the bottom line of, of goodness, of, of the human power that, uh, that drives the Canadian economy forward, if you want to say that from a business right. standpoint. And I think yeah. there's, there's a lot of value in that. And then even from a business standpoint, you know when I come in to work with, with sales teams or executive teams or... You know, engineers or accountants mm-hmm. or nurses at the end of the day, we know how to behave properly intellectually, but we often don't do it so it's it's giving people an excuse to do the right thing. Oh yeah, this Adam Creek guy said this so yeah let's let's do the right thing. We'll be better for it
0: I'm agreeing with you and adding some reinforcement to the comments and um I already knew as soon as I was referred by a mutual friend, Hans, (laughs) that we needed to connect. And one shared value that we have is this responsibility ethic. And I wanna bring it out. It's
1: a good book. I'm gonna hold up the book too. It's uh, uh, it's a good book.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, hey, (laughs) mash. Is um, the reason why is because, the reason I think that Hans suggested that we needed to connect is because this is probably one of the core things that I keep talking about, which is something you've just said. You know, we know what we need to do. Maybe there's a fear, or shame, or blame, or guilt, or you know, taking that first step. And there's something I want to bring up in the book that um, you know, chapter one is taking responsibility for the the fear of failure. And then um, one thing that totally made me giggle at the very end is take one point from the list and and circle it, take a picture, write it down. And I want to highlight this one because this is the one that I wrote down. Uh, and it's related to your failed attempt to cross the ocean. But keep your ocean rowboat cabin door latched on cruise shifts in stormy weather.
1: That's, that's a great learning. <laughs> what,
0: does that, what does that one mean to you? I can tell you what it means to me, but what does it mean for you as, as the author?
1: Well, what it means and... and... It's actually quite a literal learning as, a, as the author. And, and that's and it's kind of my quirky sense of humor, too. Yeah. Because I'm assuming... I did that, laugh
0: out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: I'm assuming that maybe one out of 10, 000, the 10,000 people who read my book will actually go across the ocean and row. And they'll say, oh, yeah, I remember that Creek's book. He said to make sure the hatch door is closed during, you know, during crew crew shift changes. And guess what? And I work with a lot of organizations doing safety leadership training. Mm -hmm. And the most dangerous time in, uh, like when you're working in heavy industry is what time? It's shift change, which is, I think is a very salient point. Again, what it means to me is that when you're, when you're going through a shift change in, in an environment that's dangerous, you have to be extra on your guard because you're connecting with other people, you're, you're dialing down because it's, it's the end of, end of the day, the beginning of the day, and you're less aware of, of your job and the dangers that are around you. What that means to me is, is very literally be safe when you're somewhere dangerous and you're going through a shift change. And make sure that goddamn hatch door is closed. Because <laughs> if ours was closed, we wouldn't have capsized in the Bermuda Triangle. But that's for sure.
0: Part of it for me is that it was a liberation for life, right? Which yeah, is, it's a you know, that at that at that stage. And you talked about uh, working men's health, and uh, you know, and, and from a from a mom's point of view too. I mean, any parent's point of view is when we're at this phase of life, right? And we're giving so much in the work that we do, and we've got kids that depend on us, and partners that we want to you know, be show up as your as your best self and you know, we can be exhausted. It's the end of a shift, right? And and sometimes people pivot into different lifestyle paths. Sometimes they just need to hunker down and, and shift change. And I just I just saw it as an analogy for life. Right. Yeah. And there's points in our life when we take these major leaps. And to actually close and and latch the door and, and do some serious you know, thinking and be mindful about protecting Mm. your environment.
1: Yeah, we got to protect our own environment. And I think it I've been reflecting on this recently, life is kind of cruel, plays a cruel joke on you. Because the moment that you have kids is the same moment you get a mortgage is the same moment your career is taking off. And you're like, what the heck is going on here? Like, (laughs) shouldn't I be spending time with my kids? Like, shouldn't I be building a business and making money? Um, you know, should I be paying my mortgage? And then you go out there and you're competing. And I find I'm a competitive person because I'm an athlete. It's like, oh, I'm competing about, against these assholes who don't have mortgages, who don't have kids, and uh, like, <laughs> you know, it's it's not quite like the you know the Olympics where you know everyone's coming from a very a similar, similar place. place, and that's uh, that's just conversation five.
0: Well, and that's the first chapter, so I look forward to more, but let's segue a little bit into, uh, tell me about how you ended up here. Did you grow up here on Vancouver Island?
1: No, I grew up in London, Ontario, beautiful southwestern Ontario, you know, big deep snow in the winter, you know, hot muggy summers. Uh, It was a great place, a great place to grow up, loved it there, have a lot of good memories. After high school, I moved to northern Alberta, did some resource work, worked on the rigs, slammed around some steel. In high school, I, ha- I did have a rowing coach who said, you know what, Adam, you could be an Olympian uh, if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I think the words he said is you could be an Olympian. You're an Olympian, you just don't know it yet.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> and so I was—I uh, thought, well, I should pursue this. And at the same time, and I didn't end up taking the uh, the geotech path, but I thought, you know, I should get into resource uh, development, resource extraction. You know, 50% of Canada's billionaires you know, at least mm-hmm. made it through resource extraction. So it's a very valuable part of our economy and our industry. So I was thinking of going in that direction. But uh, I said, you know, I need to get this rowing thing out of the way and um, move to Vancouver Island as a rower uh, and uh, to study geotechnical engineering and earth sciences. Then, you know, met my wife here and we moved down to California, came back, had kids, and here we are.
0: Here we are. So, tell us a little <laughs> bit about lifestyle in, uh, and, and very specifically, Saanich. So, uh, get out your maps and check out where Saanich, uh, British Columbia is. But, what, why is this environment? Why do you love where you live?
1: I love where I live because I have a young family and I've constructed my career. Because you know, high on my values uh, hierarchy is you know, is the emotional connection and closeness that I have through, through family interactions. So what I love is that I, we're a five-minute walk from uh, the kids' school. And so I walk the kids to school every morning I'm here, which I love. It's probably one of the favorite parts of my day. We're right across from a park where we have, we have owls that come. There's deer. There's a creek that runs through it. Uh, so we're very close to nature. We're also a, you know, a seven-minute walk from a recreation center that has a gym and a sauna, and I'm close to the the grocery store, so I can walk and bike and live in a four-block radius. I don't have to leave that wow. ever if I don't want to. And my office is in, in the basement. You know, the only thing I'd change is would be living right next to the ocean, but right. then you lose some of the the walking uh, benefits and uh, you know the closeness. So. But I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great place to be, and uh, that's why that's why I chose to be here.
0: And is there any one particular place that in, is very inspiring for either you to go on your own or with your family that you think I ah, love this? Oh.
1: Every Friday morning, I've got a group of uh, old old athletes, ex uh, ex military special services guys, and a few entrepreneurs come out too. and we go we run we run up and down um, Mount Douglas. And then we go, we do that a couple times, and then we jump into the ocean, and we sit in the ocean, do cold water training uh, for about 10 minutes, and we do that every Friday. So I'd say that's definitely a highlight of my week. I get really immersed in nature, and I remember why I live on Vancouver Island, because, again, when you're working and raising family, this is what we're doing. We're sitting in front of a computer, and (laughs) that's... I can, it's great, great to sit in front of a computer, but, confused, but it's, it's nice to not be. Exactly. Jewish.
0: So a little bit of, um, if, I mean, you've written your own book, but can you share with us uh, another kind of must-read book wow. from, as an entrepreneur's perspective?
1: Well, let me open up oh. my book. Because oh, at the back, I've list? got a list of a ton of books. So what will I say? Okay,
0: what page? Actually,
1: page 255.
0: Ah. I keep coming
1: back from an entrepreneurial uh, perspective to scaling up. I use it a lot in my coaching and consulting practice. It has a lot of... Vern Harnish is... If, if any of you listeners have not been exposed to Vern Harnish, you know, what a... I don't know what you're going to call him. You know, he's a giant that you stand on right. his shoulders. Uh, he's, he has so much information that's been compiled. Started with the Rockefeller habits and evolved into scaling up. That's a very good thing. And then the other one I would say and i'm going to go go a little I love bit this, by the way yeah, thank you yeah, for sharing of, the one i'd say is on writing by stephen king so to be a good entrepreneur you have to be able to communicate and especially if you want to get get your message out there and create content you have to be a very good writer um, i wasn't trained as a writer but the book i learned the most about writing from was stephen king's on writer. writing one, it's, a, it's a great story talks about being addicted to cocaine for a decade and writing wow. tons of books and Uh, It has a very compelling personal story, which and then puts in great tips on how to be more concise in your prose. Those are two books.
0: Awesome. I love that list of resources. I might share that. uh, But uh, more importantly, when you just buy the book and get the list of your (laughs) referrals, but having so many accolades under your belt, is there one particular motivational quote that is sitting on your desk or your computer that is just kind of your go-to?
1: How about this one? Okay, let's have a look. Can you see that?
0: What you get by achieving your goals is not as important as what you become by achieving your
1: goals. Mr. Thoreau, he's on uh, on my wall.
0: I love that you have them attached with Velcro. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: love it. Wasn't planned. Very serendipitous.
0: And uh, are there any, I mean, you're in the biodiesel industry, which I think we could do a whole other podcast on that, which I would love to do at some point. Um, I think, you know, Vancouver Island specifically, British Columbia, specifically, we have definitely a culture of, you know, circular economies, sustainability, um, you know, being in touch with the environment is super important with us, at, at kind of anywhere in Canada, but very specifically here, I think. So I would love to talk more about, about that uh, venture. Is there anything particular that you would like to share with us that we haven't already talked about?
1: I might just reinforce the book, right? Come out and get the book because the book, the book, it took me 10 years to write this book. Mm -hmm. And I think, and again, I talked about my sporting journey as a metaphor for the entrepreneurial journey. And I'd also say that writing a book is also something that's very similar. It took me 10 years to write this. 10 years of writing, you know, early mornings, I'd get up at five in the morning and write or and I'd spend uh, winters when my work would slow down, my work slows down in December, January. So I put extra time in the winters in the early mornings. And that's what created this book. And it was just a lot of pushing a lot of persevering in the darkness when no one was watching when no one was celebrating when no one really cared. Now that I'm over the hump, and I'm able to promote the book and push it out there. And I'm honestly very proud of of everything that's in there, and I think there's there's actually a, a ton of value, especially for entrepreneurs who need, mm-hmm. need that grit, need that drive, need some insights. I think this will speak right to your soul. I'm, I'm recording the audiobook this week. Oh, free. Cool. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So I think for a lot of uh, a lot of people out there uh, listening, the, the audiobook will be much more accessible because you can plug it in while you're driving, commuting. Mm-hmm holding a screaming baby in the middle of the night. I know I've, <laughs> I've listened to a few audiobooks. Okay, I've got Doing a Doing that,
0: baby. bouncing, which is so <laughs> true. And I think one thing that's common there is, you know, we tend to do more than one thing at a time, right? Like we, you know, we, we bounce babies while we're listening to, we go for a run while we're listening to podcasts. I mean, that's just what we do. Did you, uh, you suggested at one point the possibility of a, of a chapter?
1: Yes. Oh, yes. A chapter, free chapter for anyone who wants to email me. I will... The best chapter, I think, for the entrepreneur in this book is Chapter Five, Be a Pro. So <clears throat> if you email me at info, I N F O, at creekspeak.com, then and just say, I heard you on the canada'spodcast.com podcast, then I'll send you a free chapter.
0: When I think one thing thank I'd like to, to add, thank you for the, for the gift and the opportunity. One thing that you know we're with the Internet of things in this day and age, it's really nice to have a shared language and a shared vibe uh, amongst a network of of people. So I think that is one thing that I would love to achieve by us reading the book is I think if we can all take personal responsibility for our own success, it will have like this magnified uh, and amplified energy. Uh, that we can all kind of say, oh, yeah, Canada's podcast, listen to, you know, met Adam at events in 2020, which we'll talk about later. But, um, you know, and I've read the book and remember the story. Remember the story of the capsize and, you know, there'll be some shared commonality that we can all relate to. So I wanted to thank you for that.
1: And I just want to share this one thing because I just got this in my inbox this morning. The most satisfying form of freedom is not a life without responsibility but a life where you are free to choose your responsibilities. Again, I think that's important to remember that we all need to take responsibility if we want to have a happy, successful, fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. But part, we can have a happier, more successful, more fulfilling life if we take the responsibility to choose our responsibility. That's freedom. That's excitement. That's and brilliant. I think that's, that should appeal to the entrepreneurial journey absolutely
0: Adam it has been an absolute pleasure it was fun to meet you in person I look forward to doing it again later it's nice to be neighbors and uh, best of luck with your trip down to the states and thanks Robert on behalf of all Canadian entrepreneurs for being a great ambassador for us all and uh, we look forward to connecting you more on Canada's podcast hey there thanks for taking the time today to listen to British Columbia's podcast on the Canada's podcast network we hope you enjoyed the show today Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes. Connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at canadaspodcast.com. You can check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'm Angela Fay. See you next time.